We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artestis jumped over the scorer's table. Artestis in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast presented, as always, by DraftKings.com. It is Wednesday, November 7th. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. James, uh, we're going to get to a lot of Duke-Kentucky talk uh, in the latter half of the podcast. I know you and I both watched that game. Uh, a lot to, to take away there from an NBA draft perspective. Um, but we'll start with, with NBA talk. Prior to that, though, the Diplomats released a new song today. Uh, the Diplomats are a group that you've kind of given me a history of uh, in bits and pieces over the years. They were a group that I didn't know a lot about. They're apparently back. Should they be back? Was the new song good? Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of listening to uh, rappers who kind of peaked over a decade ago. And I know that that's something that I disagree with our uh, buddy Clay Link about. He loves when washed up rappers put out new content. I think the more washed up, the better. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, this this was pretty solid. Who is in The Diplomats? For those well, at home, Cameron, and for who's me, the uh, ringleader, uh, Joel Santana. Oh yes, the whistle uh, song. Jim Jones, mm-hmm. uh, Freaky Zeke, who does Freaky the Zeke. does the hooks sometimes. Sure. Um, and then they have a, they have kind of a a wider uh, crew of guys, but that's I mean the first three are kind of the big the big yeah. Three. Freaky Zeke, and has he has he been a core member the entire time? Uh, I mean, he gets to he gets to be on a lot of songs. I mean, the the production group Heat Makers tends to produce okay. a lot of their stuff. But um, okay. yeah, I mean, it, it's mostly just Cameron, Joel Santana, Jim Jones, and then they have a bunch of uh, kind of second and third tier uh, people that join them. Okay, fair enough. Well, thank you for that insightful diplomats review, 
Uh, we're still waiting on the Two Chains album that he announced back in mid-February. Uh, no updates on that now as we approach uh, nine months on that one. So last time we talked, we were both pretty high in the Pelicans. I believe you may have probably stopped just short of locking them in uh, to be a playoff team. There are a few teams now that in the past week have just like completely flipped things, and the Pelicans are one of them. They have not won since we last spoke. They are on a six-game losing streak uh, after falling to OKC a couple nights ago, they do get the Chicago Bulls tonight. So hopefully you can chalk that one up as a win and, and get back on track. Then a couple of days off, they get the Suns, um, an- another very beatable NBA team. Um, obviously, the Pelicans have had some injuries. Alfred Payton's been out. Davis has been in and out. Um, but we're kind of seeing some of the issues with this team in that when they're not fully healthy, they don't exactly have you know the the quality depth that a lot of these other teams in the west do well so this six game uh losing streak was home to the jazz and then five straight games on the road nuggets warriors blazers spurs thunder uh so that is a really big part of the equation the fact that anthony davis missed i think three games in there uh two or three games in there and then even when he did play was not really close to what you'd expect to be getting from Anthony Davis on a, on a per game basis. So, you know, without Anthony Davis against teams like that, they're just going to be at a huge disadvantage. And then, you know, on the road against teams like that, they need the kind of peak Anthony Davis version of himself to hang in those games, I think. And uh, just haven't gotten it. I think the, the biggest uh, kind of, worry to me is just that their defense has been so bad in this run and I I think that they have a the potential to have you know one of the top six or seven offenses in the league Uh, but the bar for good offense is so high now that you know even that maybe is is a bit less likely than I thought it was uh, at the start of the season and it sort of seems like they're just kind of not really doing it it's kind of a d'antoni type of defensive right. uh, system which is i mean that that's makes sense given alvin gentry's backstory and everything uh but it's it's gonna be tough for them to outscore teams every night especially the the good teams in the west without getting like mvp level anthony davis and mm-hmm. i he was my pick for mvp before the season uh i still think that that is in play uh just because we've seen like when he you know the way he played over like the final two months of last season if he can get back to that level I think this team uh kind of rounds into form and makes the playoffs but if they're not getting that almost every single night then it's going to be really tough against some of those uh right. you know that top 10 top 12 teams in the league yeah I, I think you're right to say that they are they are kind of employing that D'Antoni like we're just going to outscore you type of mentality but I almost do think that's become somewhat of a misnomer over the last couple of years because the Rockets haven't been that bad on defense I mean this year they've been bad to open the year but last year it's not like they were a bottom five or even a bottom 10 defense like the Pelicans are 27th right now well they're kind of they're doing kind of like the Phoenix Suns D'Antoni like because I mean the Rockets were able to switch everything uh, all season and uh, they're unable to do that now but you know Mm -hmm. the the Pelicans I, I guess what what I meant by D'Antoni is just kind of like it completely ignoring it like which was kind of his uh MO uh five ten years ago um it seems like they're just kind of falling in love with you know Drew Holiday's a good defender Anthony Davis at his best is a good defender but like the rest of the pieces you know if you don't have a good system in place those guys are going to be below average defenders so um that's been a problem for them and just the the fact that more teams I think can keep up with them offensively than they probably anticipated is making it so that that formula is mm. is a little shaky so I mean the Pelicans have, have tumbled down the standings you know over the last week week and a half OKC now back to five and four they were a team that we were both you know and it's so early that you know a, a lot of these predictions aren't going to hold a lot of weight but you know I kind of I was kind of down to like them, them or the Lakers, you know, for, for one of these last playoff spots in the West. I mean, the Lakers have looked as shaky as ever. They got blown out by the, the Kawhi-less Raptors the other night. But OKC starting to look better. I mean, like we said, they just beat New Orleans. Um, but now they lose Russell Westbrook for who knows how long. I mean, an injury that at first looked like it might be very serious. I think it's now in like the, the medium levels of seriousness. He's not going to play tonight. 
I would imagine he's going to miss at least a couple of games. I mean, if you've seen the video, ankles just are not supposed to turn like that. Um, but while the Pelicans were missing Anthony Davis in the midst of like their toughest stretch of the season to date and what's probably going to be one of the toughest stretches of the entire year, if there's a time that you want to lose Russell Westbrook, it's probably right now. Uh, I mean, OKC could very well beat the Cavs in Cleveland tonight without him. They do have the Rockets tomorrow in a back-to-back. That's a tough matchup. But then you're at Dallas, home against Phoenix, home against the Knicks, at Phoenix, at Sacramento. So, I mean, let's say worst-case scenario, Russell Westbrook, you know, misses eight straight games. The only game in there that you feel really, really questionable about, you know, is that Rockets game. And, and I think, you know, they think they can probably at least tread water without Westbrook for now. Yeah, I mean, I would expect them to lose the Rockets game. I honestly wouldn't expect them to go better than 500 in the rest mm-hmm. of those games just because without Russ, they just are so bereft of right. anyone that can handle the ball, anyone that can initiate offense. Uh, so I, I don't think that they're like big favorites against those no, crappy no, no, teams. No. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not like they're – like if they were going up against that, like the, the Pelicans last six games. games right, right, exactly. Yeah, these are at least – you at least have like a 40% chance to win some of these games without Russ. Whereas, I mean, I don't know if there's a team right now that's more dependent on a single guy. I mean, Paul George – has been a very, very good number two. He hasn't really looked to me consistently like a guy who can be a full-on number one. Well, I think we've seen how dependent the Pelicans are on Anthony well, Davis. Right. Like, I, I think he's in that mix. LeBron's yeah. in that mix. But, uh, yeah, I mean – Teddy Osmond, yeah. For for I think this is kind of a very rare scenario where I'm not that big on Russell Westbrook just pushing you into kind of the upper echelon of a lot of teams. But he's – extremely valuable for this team to even be like a 500 team because everything's yeah. just built around him because the offense just hasn't has no juice at all without they're him. they're very much dependent on him to get to 45 wins yes um <laughs> i want to touch on the Cavs real quickly i mean they continue to look god awful they did pick up a win though uh, i think they beat atlanta um i i still think I mean, i've been pleasantly surprised in some ways by atlanta i mean they're they're certainly not a good team in their own right but they haven't looked as bad as i thought Cleveland, to me, is the worst team in the East. J.R. Smith is requesting a trade as if there's this huge trade market for him. I think eventually they're going to be able to trade Kyle Korver somewhere, but, I mean, you're not getting a first-round pick or anything for Kyle Korver. Um, and now it comes out earlier this week that you know, the, some of the veterans on the team you know, spoke to Joe Varden of The Athletic, who has covered the team for, for many years, formerly for Cleveland.com. Obviously, he has a relationship with some of these guys, and they basically – like dished on Colin Sexton you know not I mean Colin Sexton hasn't really been lighting the world on fire but I don't I mean I was certainly not super disappointed in what I'd seen from him so far I mean I don't think anyone expected him to hit the ground running and and be a a rookie of the year caliber player Um, but internally it seems like there's kind of some dissent you know among the veterans as to how he's playing he's resisting you know according to George Hill instruction on how to play defense you know kind of going off on his own so on top of the team being terrible, on top of these veterans having terrible contracts that are tough to move, all of a sudden the rookie who is kind of the one piece you know on this team that you feel okay about uh, is off to about as, as rough of a start as it can get. Yeah, it's a very ugly situation. I think that they are a pretty clear bottom three team at this point, uh, along with the, the Hawks and the Suns. That would probably be my bottom three right now. Um, they... So Larry Drew's in a in a pretty uh, interesting spot where I think by not playing Sexton, he's kind of trying to leverage his way either either give me a raise that the raise that I think I deserve for being the head coach now, and then I'll do what you guys want me to do. I'll I'll play Colin Sexton a bunch or just fire me and get someone in here who will play Colin Sexton a bunch and. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a really tough situation because they brought in a bunch of guys that like Kyle Korver's the only one that um, maybe you could get like a second rounder for uh, like guys like George Hill, guys like J.R. Smith. You're even if you move them, you're taking something bad back like just to move them, and and you know it's it's really messy. There's just mm-hmm. not a ton in terms of assets, and I don't really think there's a big gap between. Like any kind of lineup, any kind of rotation you run out there with this team, with the current kind of uh, attitude among the players, like you're just not going to win games. So it it, no. it really makes sense to 
be playing the young guys, I think, like unless you think Sexton's just so bad that uh, it could kind of mess with his like long-term growth just being that bad. But uh, it's it, there's no reason to be playing uh, the non-Corver veterans. I get you want to play Corver to try to uh, boost his trade stock, mm-hmm. but um, it's a really disgusting situation uh, from just – you know, every everything about it is just kind of ugly and, right. and not pleasant. When well, and even the you know the young guys that we're talking about are not like future pieces. Like, are any of these young guys outside of Sexton and maybe Jetty Osman even like five years down the road? Is Jordan Clarkson still on this team? Is Rodney Hood still on this team? Larry Nance probably. You know, I mean, th- those are your guys. Like, there's not you, you don't have these like super high upside. You know, it's not like the Lakers a couple of years ago. You're just going to throw Brandon Ingram out for 25 minutes, and you're going to going to be okay losing games because you're developing him. Like these young guys are not that young. You know, Jordan Clarkson hasn't exactly shown a sky high ceiling. Um, you know, as bad as J.R. Smith's been, I don't know that he's markedly worse than Rodney Hood right now. Like it's there's really a, it's a no win situation for Larry Drew. So like, I I mean, it sounds crazy to say, but I've I've kind of been on Larry Drew's side through this oh, whole yeah. negotiation. I have. Like most I people have. have. Like that's how bad it has. Like pub, the public has sided with Larry Drew. Uh, who we should say, by the way, did agree yesterday to remain the interim for the rest of the season. So now he is officially the interim coach. He's no longer the voice, uh, and he got a partial guarantee for next season. I would I would bet that he's not back next year. So they so they essentially kind of tossed him like a couple hundred grand. Just they to signed kind of him stick to around. like a G League yeah. contract, more yeah. or less. Yeah. So uh, I, don't, I don't know what kind of incentives he I mean, has to meet. To good. Get that I'm glad that he at least got something. You know, right. because it's it was kind of ridiculous. Well, like this is. Not only is should you get a raise when you are asked to shoulder more responsibility, but talk about like the worst type of roster to have to coach. Like it, it's well, and just a, and how much is he even getting to coach? Like it sounds right. like we want to make you the coach, but we're going to tell you who to play. Yeah. You know, like I, yeah. I mean, if you're Larry Drew and you're like, okay, I'll ride this out, but you better pay me for mm-hmm. for my troubles. And I mean, the fact that the Cavs were willing to just hand Ty Lue fifteen million dollars and then try to try to lowball his replacement is. Uh, yeah, classic Dan Gilbert. This was a couple nights ago, so we won't spend too much time on it. But Jamal Murray went for 48. Uh, Denver is now very quietly 9-1 and one and looking like, I mean, right now, if you had to place the Nuggets, like where they end up finishing, are they no lower than four? I mean, to me, they've looked they're, – they're a step ahead even of like Portland – uh, OKC, I, San Antonio. I think they're the favorite for the number two seed right now. I think uh, the Blazers are probably my pick for the number three seed they, right they now. Look very good. Last I time. know that seems like overreactionary, but it's not like these teams that I thought were going to be better than those teams like don't have significant question marks. It's not like I expect. You know, once the Rockets are at full strength, they're just going to go back to being like the sixty-five win Rockets. Like I, I don't see that happening at all. They for just this had team. to coerce their like seventy-year-old assistant coach out of retirement. Yeah, to that, save their defense. It's um, yeah. I I think the the Nuggets are definitely the uh, favorite for for the two seed right now, which is which is pretty cool for that team. And yeah. it's a that you know I we joked uh, or I joked at least on here that if if like LeBron or or even guys like uh, Jimmy Butler or whoever, like if they're really like all about winning, the Nuggets were a team where I was just like, if you just put a star on that team with Nikola Jokic, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray uh, around them, that team is just ready to be a 60-win juggernaut. And maybe they're just going to get there even without that that star from from the outside coming in just because of how good Jokic has become because – you know, we might look up at the end of the year and and view Gary Harris and Jamal Murray as easy top thirty players in the league, maybe even borderline top twenty five players. So, uh, just when you when you factor in Gary Harris's two way ability and uh, I what what I, what we saw from Jamal Murray a couple nights ago was actually sort of more in line with what I thought we were going to get all yeah, season. He really wasn't good before that. No, uh, but that the shots that he was making in that game just kind of brought me off the ledge of just being worried about my Jamal Murray uh, for most improved player mm-hmm. prediction. I, it's probably uh, Karis LeVert at this point. But I think Murray's right back in the mix, though. Yeah, and, and he just – those types of shots, those are like kind of star two-guard level, you know, star yes. ball handler level shots where he's not only hitting really tough off the dribble, uh, deep jumpers, jumpers kind of in the lane. 
Yeah. Uh, but finishing in really difficult ways around the rim with contact, I thought it was a really impressive game for him. That was a full takeover. And that, he, against probably the the team that I've thought has looked the best defensively this season. So like yeah. it, it was not like and he was, was just the best defense last season, beating yeah. up on some some crappy defense like that. Right. That team has made a lot of pretty good offenses look bad this year. No, exactly. I, I feel the same way. I think they. I mean, it was one of those games where he was so hot in that fourth quarter that you knew he was going to shoot. I mean, he took. A, there were a couple shots that he just he only took because he was so hot, and mm-hmm. you know, in retrospect, probably shouldn't have. So the entire defense knows he's shooting it, and he was still getting those looks. Like you said, it wasn't like he was just bombing away from three. He had a couple, uh, a couple up and unders. One on Horford, one I think on Jalen Brown late in that game, and, and this was a close game as well. Like you said, it wasn't a, it wasn't a twenty point blowout or a Devin Booker situation last year. Like these were key baskets in what was like a five to nine point game for most of that fourth quarter. Um, I mean, what got most of the attention was what happened after the game. I'm very curious to see where you where you come in on this. I haven't really talked to you about it yet. So I'm sure you've seen the highlight by now, but the, the Nuggets are running out the clock with like 10 seconds left. They're in the front court. Everybody's starting to shake hands. You know, people are you know almost starting to pour onto the court. Um, and there's no shot clock, so we should say that. As time ticks down, with like one second left, Murray fires up like a 30-footer. Obviously, if he makes it, it would have given him 51. It rims out. Kyrie grabs the ball, launches it into the, into the second deck. Uh, I don't really... I don't have a problem really with what Kyrie did. I mean, it's not a, not a great look. I think he's getting a $30,000 fine. Um, and generally, I like players doing things like what Murray did, but I, I don't like that one. I don't like it. There was no shot clock. He wasn't going to pick up a turnover if he didn't shoot it. Um, I think you just dribble it out. Like, you didn't get to 50. Big deal. Uh, <clears throat> I, I don't think – if it was me, I w- I'm not taking that shot. If it's me, I'm not throwing the ball in the yeah. stands either. So I like right. kind of come down on the side of neither of them should have done what they did. Kyrie should have gone up to Murray and said something. Like you either say something uh, to him kind of like in person right. or you um, – I mean, I wouldn't even mind if you kind of trolled him on Twitter or something after yes. the game or something like that. But it's just kind of like, dude, you're Kyrie Irving. You've yeah, won right. like an NBA Finals before. Like you're – who cares? Like no, it's just, exactly. he's Jabal Barry, you're Kyrie Irving. Like, right. Why are you? That should so be your stance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I I totally agree. Um, and I mean, I think three different Celtics like took it up with the reporters on TV <laughs> after the game. You know, Kyrie was still talking about it at shoot around yesterday for the Celtics. Also, well, so part of me doesn't. I, you're right about the the exact situation. Sort of warrant like saying like you probably don't take that shot. It's just a bad look. Like but, even if he makes it, it would have been a weird fifty. But also. Like Celtics, you you gave up forty eight to him. Right. Like it's not like, you know. I think part of it was them just being frustrated at the loss and the fact that he yeah. got to forty eight on them, and like that gave them a a reason to kind of lash mm-hmm. out about it. Like, just own the of fact course. that you know he he torched you guys. Like it, right. it's not uh, that to me is more important than the fact that he mm-hmm. took that shot at the end. Like if you didn't want him to like even have a shot at getting fifty, you should have yeah. stopped him more. So he was not being guarded in the situation. Would it have been different if he just like ran in and laid it up for fifty at the buzzer? Like nobody was going to guard him whether he went to the basket or took the thirty footer. Like to me, that would make it even more bush league somehow. <laughs> I, I, I think so too. <laughs> I kind of wish that would happen. I think if he had gotten in for the uncontested <laughs> yeah. layup there to just really make sure he got the fifty, yeah. I think that would have been worse. But uh, I think part- he got scolded by Isaiah too. You could kind of tell oh, like well, Murray cares? was kind of given the the Nick Young meme look to the Celtics who were like barking at him, and then you could see Isaiah came up to him and it looked like he gave him like a yeah man you probably shouldn't have done that. I would just be like get out of here Isaiah. <laughs> who are you? Like why are you even here? Like someone's kids on the floor. <laughs> um, but I mean uh, another kind of wrinkle to this is just I think Jamal Murray's going to be one of the the better guards in the league for a while. He's the type of guy that's going to score fifty points probably multiple right. times given where the NBA is headed in terms of pace so you know you're gonna get your 50 point games man right like, yeah just, if, t- if this was tony snell right it, it totally go for it it totally matters to me about the quality of the player totally like because like ricky davis getting a triple double like he knows that's his right. only chance to get a well, triple and, double. And when he when he did that it was like if that was a situation where if somebody told you like hey this is what happened guess who did it your first guess would be like oh ricky davis right. of course whereas like with jamal murray i agree it, it does matter the caliber player yeah it, if 
I'm trying to think. Of, yeah, I mean, Tony Snell, I guess. I mean, that, that would never happen. But um, What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, I just so happen to have the list of people who have scored at least 40 points in a game up, and there are some names on here that I think would surprise well, like Like Tony Delk. I remember when he dropped like 50 or something who doesn't? close yeah. to that uh, You know, over 10 years ago. Like that type of player, like a total – if you, weren't, Brewer. if you weren't following the NBA specifically during that season, you would just have no recollection of, of the 50-point game. Like, those type of obscure players. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, even if it was someone like Reggie Jackson or something, I'd be I'd be kind of okay with it because it's like you you really don't – your career is, is definitely on the downswing. Like, this is kind of your last yeah. – And for you, kiddo. Yeah. yeah. Marcus Thornton has two 40-point games. Yep. The Bayou Bomber. Bayou Bomb – What? Yep. Is that his basketball reference nickname? That's that's a so. nickname I'm actually aware of off the top of my head. That's not even listed on basketball reference. You're going off reference for this. I'm going off reference. The Bayou Bomber. He's yep. listed as Lil Buckets. Uh, disagree. <laughs> I like the Bayou Bomber <laughs> a lot more. Eddie Curry went for 40 once. Ooh, I didn't. I don't remember that. Roddy Bobois went for 40. Bojan Bogdanovich two years ago went for 40. <laughs> I remember that. Michael Finley, go Badgers. Uh, I remember the Bubois one just because that was like back when they were protecting him, like he was going to be the. the Well, he was so (laughs) until the foot injury. Linus Klaza went for forty. Kawhi Leonard only has one forty-point game, so he's he has as many forty-point games as Brandon Jennings, Charlie Villanueva, Antonio McDice, Jody Meeks. The list goes on. Uh, But to to put a bow on the on this Nuggets talk, I'm not necessarily surprised that we're that the Nuggets are nine and one or that they're looking like one of the top three or four teams. I'm more surprised that we were able to say, you know, with relative confidence that they look like the second best team in the West. And that to me says more about the Rockets. Like I was, I was pretty firm that Denver was in that like three to six range and that there was a drop off from one to two and then a drop off from two to three. And it's starting to look more and more like there's not, there's just a drop off from one and then two through eight might be a lot closer. I mean, it. I don't think Denver is that think, much better than I didn't Houston think, or like, Portland. It wouldn't better. have surprised me if the Rockets. Like coming into the season, I I had their under. I like thought that there was a chance, like a team like the Jazz could get the two seed. Uh, I think it just says more about the rest of the West, like that there isn't a legit challenge. Like I'm not making a case that the you know Jazz or the Pelicans or the Lakers or the Thunder are like right there with the Nuggets. Like it's just they've the rest of the teams have just been so mediocre that mm-hmm. the the Nuggets have been able to separate themselves and the Blazers. I think have been the clear third best team. I mean, there's there's no um, sort of statistics that would would point otherwise. Uh, but just from a talent perspective, I think there is a, a decent gap between them and the Nuggets. So that's why I'm giving Denver a, a pretty good edge for that two seed. So Houston's had injury issues. Utah, to some degree, has you know Donovan Mitchell rolled his ankle the other night. Uh, he had a hamstring issue, I think, before that. But this was a team that missed Rudy Gobert for basically half of last year. Um, and had some other injuries as well, added some pieces at the deadline. Um, are, to me, they're one of the top two or three, at least, most disappointing teams so far. I mean, I think very easily, if you would have told me before the season that they're 9-1 and one and looking like the second-best team, I, you know, I, I think that seemed very legitimate. And I, their defense isn't really where it was last year. Mitchell got off to a little bit of a slow start. He's been better, but it still hasn't been. I don't think he's taken quite the leap that we thought he would. I think the most sort of under-reported and under-talked-about uh, like thing in the preseason were these rule changes because uh, I just didn't – it wasn't even something I was, like, thinking about when I was evaluating, like, over-unders. Like, oh, that team, you know, they, they rely on that a lot, so they're not going to be able to do it anymore and they're going to be worse. But if, you know, in hindsight, it seems like these rule changes where it's just opened a lot up offensively where you can't – really touch guys off the ball at all mm-hmm. uh that makes it tough on a team that is completely you know reliant on having a, a top three or four defense and uh doing it kind of more with i think physicality and like the the elite rim protector than kind of, like boston's defense is more uh to me about uh the system and the the scheme and everything like that and just the fact that they sort of have scouted every other every other team's looks and just know what you're trying to do before you try to do it and everything like that I mean the nugget or the jazz were kind of more of an old school uh, defense where they were just going to be physical with you and they can't really do that anymore so 
Uh, they're still one of the better defenses, but they're not. That 18th? hasn't. I I still think they're. I, I think they're going to finish as a top seven or eight defense at the end of the year. Um, but I mean, last year they finished the year tied with Boston for number one. I mean, it was right. it, and there was but a gap too. Like, I mean, they were legitimately them and Boston were kind of the two. But the whole argument for them being this borderline, um, you know, challenger to to the Rockets for the two seed was just that they were going to have such an elite defense and an above average offense. And if that defense goes from you know top one or two in the league to uh, borderline top 10, then all of a sudden you're looking at a team that's just kind of middle of the pack in, in both offense and defense. Once again this season, we have partnered up with DraftKings.com to bring you free Rotowire six-month memberships. All you have to do, go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings, sign up for a new account, and make a deposit of at least $10 or more. You will then get six months of access to all the tools, all the sports on rotowire.com. That includes DFS lineup optimizers, weekly rankings, premium articles, draft software, James, baseball prospect rankings, much, much more. You get all that for $10, and you can then use that money on DraftKings to enter it into contests and win even more. Again, we're super excited to bring you this deal for, I think, the third season in a row now. And if you want access right away, all you have to do is go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings and follow the instructions. That's rotowire.com slash DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. New DraftKings users only. See DraftKings.com for details. Are there any coaches you want to put on Patino watch after this week? <laughs> uh, I I still think uh, Fred Hoiberg is, is firmly on Patino watch. Uh, you know, part, part of the problem with uh, Patino is that a lot of the teams that are just terrible have either brand new coaches or have already fired their coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, you know, it's tough pickings out there if you're, if you're Rick Pitino. Um, I think that there are some <clears throat> underperforming teams in the West where that came in with, with clear playoff aspirations that uh, I don't think are going to pull the trigger on their coach this week uh, and probably not next week, but I think – you know, with the Lakers, with the Pelicans, with the Timberwolves, uh, I think there's there's a chance that one of those three teams kind of is just fed up with the way the season started at a certain point and does pull the trigger and, and brings in Rick Pitino before Christmas. So uh, Pitino watch uh, kind of at the same level it was last week, but I think there are a, a few more more high-profile jobs, jobs in the mix for, uh, for Rick. Okay, so we just talked about the Jazz struggling. Hear me out. Rick Pitino <laughs> yesterday was speaking with the sales team at Vivint. Ah. Vivint, of course, <laughs> is the namesake of the Utah Jazz Arena, Vivint Smart Home oh. Arena. Today, he's still hanging out in Utah. Looks like he's talking to a company wow. called Qualtrics. He's getting pretty aggressive. He says they're, quote, a great company that's going public <laughs> next week. The Daniel Patino Foundation thanks you. So he's spending a lot of time in Utah. Man. I think he's just hanging around, like, just in case. Aren't there aren't there supposed to be rules among the coaching fraternity about, you know, actively trying to get a guy's job who, who still has oh, a job? Oh, I got more bad news. Yesterday, he <laughs> took a picture with Donovan Mitchell. Oh, I think man. he's gonna I think he's going to be the jazz coach by the end of the week. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I agree with all those teams you brought up. I mean, the thing with with uh, Hoiberg is like, I don't know what the team even wants from him anymore. Like, they, they had a really bad overtime win against the Knicks <laughs> earlier this week that neither team wanted. I mean, like, I follow a lot of Knicks fans who were like, thank God, in, well, in that, years past, we would have found a way to win that game. From from what I – so I, I went to um, – I don't know if it was Dawkins or whoever had the, the most – the longest video of the Zach Levine highlights uh, mm. from that game where he went for like 41 or something. Those black alternates, by the way. And I oh. got about 35, 40 seconds into it, and I was just like, uh, this isn't for me. Like, it was just yeah. such an ugly, like, beginning to like a, a highlight reel for like a 40 plus point game that yeah, i was just 41 like, right yeah i was just like oh yeah this is what i signed up for <laughs> he is, i mean he's gonna be this year's like devin booker empty stats guy right oh i yeah. think because I mean, Booker's actually been like that's already just abundantly yeah. clear he's that, had a huge lead yeah like he's he would have to get hurt for for someone else to to get that mm-hmm. award from him he's gonna i think he's gonna be really upset when he's not an all-star we might see it on twitter <laughs> um He's not going to understand. Him and Edis Cantor, I think, are can both going to be puzzled. 
can we have you know when they pub when they uh, televise the the All Star draft this year? Can they also put kind of cameras on Cantor yes. and Levine, even like though the they're NFL. not available to be picked? Just tell them we we'd like to film yeah. you during the draft, just like, in case, guys. Yeah, like, case. we got, we got word that you might be picked. Like, Cantor would be like, oh, for sure, of course. Yeah, all right. Where do you want no, me? They should set it up like the NFL draft. You know, where, like for for the guys who don't go to the draft, they'll right. have like a little draft yeah. party. Yeah, and yeah. It's, like, family watching, family watching members Levine, get like, a full sink spread, into the, yeah. sink into the couch, <laughs> like on on the phone with his agent the whole time. Like why? and they picked me <laughs> feed just blacks out at some point uh yeah well we should i mean as we're talking about this the nba i don't know if the league officially has announced it but the new york times mark stein reported earlier today that the league will televise the all-star draft the least surprising decision of all time uh i think people what's funny is last year when they announced it people just assumed it would be televised right. and it was almost a news story that it wasn't being televised right. so the league really had no choice like if they announced it again that it wasn't going to be televised and it's, I, it just wasn't a choice. And it's awesome for everyone. Yeah. Like nobody loses from this because you, you know, if you're LeBron or you're Giannis or you're Steph or yeah. whoever, like that's good for your brand. To well, what be. was the concern last year that the guy who got picked last feelings would be hurt? Well, what have they said? I mean, it's not like there's going to be cameras on all these guys. Is there? I, I, don't, I don't think we know yet. I'm I know the draft sure is taking place like two weeks before. I, I'm guessing it's just going to be like a sort of tele, uh, like video conference yeah, where yeah. like it's just the two captains and whoever the kind of analysts and yeah. hosts and MCs are or whatever. Right. For so it'll like, be Ursan and then whoever out of the West. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so like when, you know, who, when Mike Conley or, or uh, Paul George is like the last pick from the west or something like it's not like it's gonna cut to those guys no. and like show them like well half the guys are probably gonna be that. playing the night that this yeah. is going down yeah this is happening this isn't happening yeah. like a day before so the draft. there's there's no losers here uh, i don't think it's gonna be as entertaining no no as uh they yeah, should I mean, do it, it the night just... before the all-star game right, right? They, yeah. they should do it like as part of all-star saturday right they should get rid of the skills competition it should take place like in between the three-point shootout and the dunk contest like yeah you know just kind of a Everyone has to be here. I don't think we're uh, super far away from that, to be honest. You know, I mean, that's ESPN has shown the propensity to milk any event for a full hour. They could turn that into like a five that hour. Could be, yeah, they, that could be, yeah. It could be a two day event. Full yeah. hour? Are you kidding me? <laughs> starters, starters are drafted on Friday night and yeah, then the reserves like, on Saturday. Yeah, you have, um, you know, a couple mini concerts in between the starters and the reserves. <laughs> yeah, can we Brian, get, I think Logic could do a song. Between Brian McKnight pick. does yeah. like the uh, national anthem and then right. you have like Rihanna come out and do like three tracks in between the starters and the reserves. Era, yeah. Kevin Hart, Digital Short. Yeah, I mean like I, yeah. we've had this planned out already. I could, I could be the producer for this event. Um, you should try out Playline.com, um, a company that has sponsored the podcast for a few weeks now. It's one of the fastest growing sports gaming platforms in the space where you have a chance to win a million dollars full free every single day they're giving out over a billion dollars in prizes this year alone it was founded by ufc champion michael bisping and two-time nba all-star and also parks and rec actor roy hibbert playline.com is fantasy sports simplified unlike more traditional dfs sites which require you to set complicated and tedious lineups using a salary cap playline picks the players for you and only requires you to predict their stat lines how many points will LeBron score tonight? How many rebounds will newly minted Laker Tyson Chandler pull down? How many assists will Chris Paul have? How many long twos will Michael Beasley take in his return from a personal leave of mysterious circumstances? Lock those in and wait for your winnings. For a limited time, Playline.com will be offering a 200% initial deposit bonus. It will triple your money, and you certainly cannot beat that. All you have to do is use our promo code NBA Millionaire. That's Playline.com promo code NBA Millionaire. So, I think that concludes all of our NBA talk, right? Yeah. Sounds... Oh, Miles Bridges. Did you see that dunk last night? Uh, no. My God. Um, <laughs> oh, I mean, dunk should of the I, year. Should so I watch far? it? Should I watch it live on the pod? And yeah, wouldn't if... that be crazy? Yeah. <laughs> You're such an emotional guy that I think I think this will really convey well yeah. via audio. <laughs> That was cool. <laughs> yeah, that was all right. <laughs> all right, here we go. This is what it's all about. All right. Wow. Oh, he falls down, too. Yeah, he dunked oh. so hard that he had to fall down. Well, and you had the yep, Kemba Walker mm-hmm. holding a couple guys' warm-up shirts to stop him from running onto the yeah. court. Crazy that that worked. <laughs> can't believe can't believe he was able to keep those guys off the court. That's the dunk of the year so far, I think. I don't, I don't know that it's really all that close. 
Yeah. Um, yeah it hasn't been a great early season for dunks. I'll say it. I mean, you know, so your favorite part of every dunk is the dunk. My the favorite part of every dunk rim, yeah. is the reaction on the bench. And sure. this was a pretty good reaction on the bench. Yeah. this And, and I typically... Anyone who knows me knows that I don't really love poster dunks as much as I do. Like I'll take a good fast break dunk, you know, a windmill, a 360 over a poster usually. But this kind of had both, where it was not only you know was it in traffic, but he also got way up. It reminds me of that Vince Carter baseline dunk. You know, remember that one time that he dunked baseline? <laughs> no, but there's like an iconic <laughs> photo that you kind of see every now where he's like looks like he's supermaning from the baseline. Like I, I don't know if there's a an, a shot that looks like that, but. Um, yeah, so and he shouted I, out Vince Carter on Twitter. I, I know where this is going. So, yes, Miles Bridges should be in the dunk contest. Correct. Uh, Who else should be in the dunk contest? That's where this is going. <laughs> um, I think Mitchell Robinson. Okay. Dennis Smith uh, has kind of been on the fence. He said before the year he doesn't want to do it because he didn't like how it went last year, basically. Because <laughs> he, he, he didn't, didn't win last year. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. Um, Fair. Did – Josh Jackson do it last year? No, he might be out of the league by the All Star well, break. So I was going to say, he's like, gonna be doing the G League. Dunk he's contest. definitely bad enough and fringe enough of a rotation player to to be a part of the. Dunk so in contest. ten years, we're going to look back like <laughs> Josh Jackson saved his career by winning that dunk contest <laughs> in Charlotte. Um, Bridget, well, that's the other thing. You the know, dunk contest is in Charlotte, I, so Bridget has to do it. I I actually think there are at least two Giannis dunks that I would put. I know. I, I think I'd probably give Bridges the nod for dunk of the year, but there, there, uh, there were a couple Giannis dunks that I watched uh, while I was doozies. out of town, where it was just like, "Whoa, holy crap!" Um, yeah. Well, even last night he had a couple of those, yeah. and that was like a very quiet game by Giannis standards. Yeah. Um. I mean, he's obviously off the table. He's yep. way too good to do that. Uh, yeah. Well, he. I don't know. He was so bad when he did it a few years ago. He could maybe avenge it. Uh. But I don't think this is the year for that. The problem with the Giannis's dunks is they just—he's so big that yeah. they don't look as impressive when there right. aren't like five defenders nearby. Exactly. You know, he would need to—that he could be the first guy to ever bring out a defender, <laughs> bring out an entire like five defenders. Like, <laughs> like how much would you have to pay Joseph jo- Nurkic to like play legit defense on Giannis in the dunk contest? Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. You really have to like okay. You could basically cross off anyone who's older than 25 right. or has been in the league for more than like four years and isn't Gerald Green. I mean, would is there any way you could would like Tatum do it? I don't know if he's a contest dunker. I don't, I, I don't he think. loves Kobe, so like I could see him maybe wanting to follow in those footsteps. But yeah, um, true. When did Kobe do it? Do you know what what year? When like how many years uh, in? It was pre. His first one was pre Afro, uh, which I think was just rookie mm-hmm. year. What um, about Jalen Brown? I think he'd be more willing to do it than Tatum. I, I if, think, if asked. I think he'd be pretty bad. I think bad. the NBA would rather have Taylor. I think he'd be pretty bad. <laughs> I think, well, I don't know. I think he'd be okay. Um, yeah, it's not a, I mean, it's not a good field. Uh, Bagley? I mean, OG Ananobi. Yeah, uh, I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to put some more research, <laughs> some more R&D into this one. Um, Trey Young. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, let's talk Duke, Kentucky. Zion Williamson. Um I, I was taking some notes on my phone while watching this game last night, which I very rarely do. That's how big of a game this was. I was very excited. Um, so I, were you ignoring all the other people at Chasers? or <laughs> No, I, come on. I'm a Thursday Chasers guy. I don't, I don't go to Chasers, Chasers on a guy. Tuesday. Right. It's ridiculous. Um, so I, I wrote down uh, among another or among several just random notes that really aren't worth noting. That was the complete Zion William experience, right? There was a couple fast break dunks, a couple of rebounds that, like, the Duke bench jumped up on two of his rebounds, one of them offensive, one defensive, like he just dunked on someone. Like, I've never seen anyone do that in a basically meaningless preseason game. I mean, obviously, it was a a big environment as far as those go, but every single thing he did kind of seemed like it was on another level. I mean, his, his touch was way better than I thought it would be. He took a couple guys off the dribble. He had some really, really tough finishes through contact. I I was admittedly a very skeptical, you know, especially a couple months ago before we started seeing him at Duke, like how much of a basketball player he was versus an athlete. Um, I mean, I sent you a tweet earlier today. I think someone sent a tweet to Bomani Jones saying that Zion is more polished at this age than LeBron. He's ba- this this I thought the tweet was now we have the answer to the question what LeBron would have looked like in college. <laughs> 
Yep, here it is. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know that Zion could go to the 2003 Cavs and average 21, six and five. Maybe you know we'll never know. But I, I was about as impressed as I possibly could have been. I mean, Kentucky clearly wasn't ready for this game whatsoever, and that was part of it. But Zion and Barrett especially looked really, really, really good. I tweeted, uh, I think, or like six, seven hours before the game, um, something to the effect of it's ridiculous how much love Zion Williams is getting, uh, given that he's not the best prospect on his own team. That one you clearly read the tweet. You know, freezing cold takes at some point might dig that up. But I still I, think Barrett's a better prospect. No, I do. I, I, but I, th- I honestly think just after one game, it's now one A, one B, because I think, um, give it, I we, we talked about the new rules in the NBA that would benefit a guy like Zion so much, just because he'll be able to get the ball with kind of a cleanly with a head of steam, and he's. Uh, very much in that Giannis like only needs one dribble like two steps like to get from mm-hmm. inside just inside the arc to the rim uh prove that he can he's got a lot more touch without dunking around the rim than I was expecting like he was able to make some pretty contested uh you know semi layup floater type shots he has a little baby hook with that left hand um i mean he had a, there were a couple times where he would what he loves to do is go off the dribble and then use that hop step yeah like he really doesn't do anything without the two-footed hop first which right. is i think eventually it's it, kind of, it was kind of like rodney hood like he always says that like that's something that but, you eventually want to eliminate but he would get caught in a crowd and then you know the average player would try to shoot that hook shot and get blocked and he just keeps rising like another six inches above everyone else I, and was just able to bank it in i just think he is gonna the NBA is going to help him even more just because the, the defenses, the defensive rules are different. Uh, this, there's going to be more space for him. Like, you know, if you get him the ball at the top of the key with shooters and, you know, I, I think he's, he's fast enough and explosive enough, uh, where he's going to be able to get by most guys. And he's typically going to be matched up on a big, and I don't know how you like, which bigs can even, stay in front of a guy like that or, or keep pace with a guy like that. Uh, I'm trying to think of like who the ideal person in the NBA to try to guard him would be. I mean, is it someone kind of like him style wise and like Draymond? I mean, obviously Draymond's not the vertical athlete that he is, but in terms of stature and, you know, bulk to some degree. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, imagine Gobert switching out on him. Or, yeah. I mean, even maybe even someone like Lance Stevenson, who would just be kind of like, up for it and, <laughs> and would kind of might slap the floor you know yeah, yeah, um yeah. I, it's it's pretty fascinating man i i i would still take barrett but uh Dude. Oh, well that's the thing Barrett the, was arguably even better than zion right last right night. exactly and and so we, we'll get to him in a second but there it was sort of <laughs> stupid before that game that people were talking about him as like kind of the guy that would go number one mm. you know um you know, whoever gets the number one pick is going to get Zion. Like, uh, but since that was already a thing before that game, now it's just the trains kind of left the station, yeah. right? Like, anytime you hear someone who specializes in NBA over the NBA draft talking about next year's draft, they're just going to talk about Zion. Right. And um, I think owners are going to be cognizant of that. I think it, there's definitely um, a chance that a team – takes him over Barrett for marketing purposes. Dan I, Gilbert. <laughs> Could be any team. You know, <laughs> right, thought, but right. um, the Cavs came to mind. And, you know, we, we said sort of before the season that if he can prove to be a decent passer and a decent shooter, then he's in the mix to go number one. Like, he was better than decent as a passer and was doing it off the drip, like dribbling in transition yeah. and making passes like that. I mean, that's – that. Mm-hmm. How many big men, how many non-primary ball handlers yeah. in the NBA could make that pass? You know, it's. I mean, he had two in the first half that really wowed me. There was one <clears throat> kind of a Draymond Green type of situation where he got the ball, dribbled all the way up, dished it to Barrett, who got an and one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was another where he got an offensive rebound and kind of snuck like a a lefty like slip pass baseline. Mm-hmm. I, I think Bolden ended up missing the layup, but it was still a really really nice high level pass off of a you know off of a really tough catch with defenders everywhere. And then the big one, like, I mean, if there's one play 
that I think you remember from this game. It's him snatching. Right. A, it was like a block slash steal. Basically, I mean, that might he, end up being like one of the top two or three plays of the entire college season. Crazy. Yeah. Well, and it, it kind of sucked because Duke was like up 30 already right. at the time. So like that was like the final nail in the coffin. Mm. Like the game was over, but that that's when you really knew it was over. So he he kind of helps baseline, just snatches the ball out of whoever was about to lay it up for Kentucky, goes all the way, drops it off to Barrett, who gets fouled, finishes, and I mean yeah. that was. That was one of the better sequences. I mean, if you if you're listening to this pod, you've probably seen the highlight on right. Twitter by now. Um, yeah, that was a sequence of, sequence of the night. I mean, there, he had a couple made threes in this game. A couple once off the dribble, once off the catch. I mean, like you said, the question marks that he really had to answer: Can he shoot it at and, an elite rate? Well, no. Can he just shoot it at like a 34 percent? Well, I wouldn't. Okay, I mean, he doesn't have to be a forty percent shooter, but he also like. The reason that Draymond Green worked so well at his peak, and Draymond Green's still really good, but like when he was the Draymond Green, he was shooting like 37, 38%. Now he's shooting like 30, 31%. Like if Zion can shoot 35 or above, I think he kind of fits into that Draymond type of role. Like I, I don't think he's going to ever be Draymond defensively um, in terms of instincts, but. Draymond had one year where he shot it better than 37%. That was the, sev- or the 73 win year, right? 15 16 um, yeah yeah right that, i mean that's when they were really clicking and i mean he went like third he went 21 33 33 39 mm. 31 30 and now he's shooting 26 so he just 26 yeah, cool. yeah. um <laughs> but if like i don't think zion needs to get to that 38 i think he's gonna be just a teams are gonna dream about having a guy like that as your five yeah because it just allows you like he's going to be able to switch on every other front court player. He's going to be able to protect the rim and like be a force on the glass. And so if you're doing all that other stuff, it's really just about hitting uh, 33, 34, 35%. If he hits 38%, then, then he's like a top (laughs) 10 player in the league. Well, I'll be, I'll be very interested to see how he comes along like instinctually on defense. Like last night, there were, I, I don't know if he really had another block outside of the one we just talked about, but there were a lot of times where he, you could see like a foul would be called or you know a guy would pass it out and like if the if the do or if the Kentucky player had held onto it for one second longer, Zion was about to slap it off the backboard. Um, so like right now, I think he kind of goes more for highlight blocks, but his mm-hmm. motor was there. Like there were certainly no yeah. questions about his effort. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. You know, I mean, it's obviously not fair to expect him to have like Draymond level instincts because no. no one really does. But if he can just be like. A slightly above average as as that type of defender like his athleticism i think will kind of carry him the rest of the way yeah i mean it's it's going to be exciting to see how i can't remember when we've had a sort of a clear top two uh this early in the season and they're both on the same team yeah. um yeah it's going to be going to be a fun season for sure and i honestly might not watch a an NCAA game before the tournament that doesn't involve Duke. Uh, they play Sunday at just noon. Gonna, just going to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was pretty excited to watch Kentucky going into this game, and they they just looked. Well, Kel- Kelvin Johnson, Johnson looks good. good. He was like, the only one who came to play in the first half. I'll say that he's. I mean, he's already in my top five, and I, I think Quentin Grimes is probably already in my top five too. It, it's tough, like. Comparing Kelvin Johnson and Quentin Grimes is is interesting. I'd probably give Grimes the edge just because mm-hmm. the shot looks so pure. But uh, Kelvin Johnson looks like he could be, um, you know, sort of a Victor Oladipo type of like primary ball handler who's not a traditional point guard, but uh, does everything well. Plays good defense. I mean, has really mm-hmm. good size. Uh, and that's that's kind of the strength of this draft to me is those sort of six five six six guys that can uh, play three positions and and shoot. Uh, he definitely fits that mold. Uh, that Kentucky team, man, they they seem. Was this more just Duke being way better than everyone expected, or Kentucky being way too overhyped in the preseason? Uh, I think more Duke. Honestly, I think Duke was Duke just looked more ready. I mean, it's kind of cliche to say, but I mean, this was they traded baskets the first like three possessions and then from then on it was all duke and like i just kentucky just wasn't getting the same shots i mean duke was just you know wide open threes you know i I think i think kentucky was kind of gonna let zion shoot initially and then he made a couple and once they started kind of having to tighten up on him it it just opened up a lot of other things i mean bolden too for duke was like night and day from what he looked like last year so that i mean he had a lot of tough Mm -hmm. finishes um but yeah i mean kentucky it's the, I mean, it's the difference between recruiting. Trey Jones looked good. 
I thought. I thought so. I mean, for what you're expecting for Trey yeah. Jones, yeah, he looked great. Um, I mean, it's the difference between bringing in the top two guys in the class and bringing in like the number 12 guy and the number 21 guy. And it, I mean, it's a, it's not always that big of a difference, but I mean, Calipari's, the tables have kind of been flipped in some ways. And they address this on the broadcast where it's like Calipari's used to having Zion and Barrett. You know, he's not used to having, um, you know, these kind of mid-level guys who are still really, really good. But we, we saw last night that there's a gap between those two. Did you see, before we get to Barrett, did you see anything from Cam Reddish? He had two, two like very smooth, very casual made threes to begin this game. I think he finished with 19, but it was a relatively quiet 19 due in large part to the fact that the other two guys mm. just kept making plays. Yeah. I, I think of him as kind of his upside being a really high end role player where he doesn't need a ton of shots, but that would require him to bring it on the defensive end. And I'm not sure that he's got that motor. So uh, kind of, reserving judgment on him i don't think he's you know i entertained somebody on twitter when i when i sent that out was like he zion might not even be their third best or might not even be their second best draft prospect uh that's that's over with like i i don't i would be shocked if cam reddish gets into that zion uh barrett mix he's just i don't see him being that says more about those two though right there are years that cam reddish would be the number one prospect in the country i would i would still prefer like i i'd I'd prefer Keldon Johnson to him. I just I can envision how that translates uh, on a winning team a little bit more than I can with with Reddish. Uh, so I'm I'm probably just going to end up being lower than you on him for for most of the season. But yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's Fair good. Enough. He's fine. So I saw I saw people comparing Barrett to Tracy McGrady. I think if I think Reddish reminds me a lot more of Tracy McGrady. I don't, I don't like that comp for Barrett at all. I don't really see that. Um, but I kept I spent a lot of time last night just like watching his movements, like who who does he really remind me of? And you you obviously gravitate towards more left-handed players. Um, and what the one that really came to mind for me is Ginobili, like a more athletic man of Ginobili. Like, I mean, a lot of people said Harden, you know, which is understandable mm-hmm. because he's the most popular left-handed player and, and Barrett can obviously shoot it. To me, he's not, he's not quite as like smooth as James Harden is. Like he is very stop and start, herky-jerky, you know, like had an, a couple of nice finishes in the lane, but you know not like Kyrie Paul George type of stuff where you're like wow that was so smooth it's almost a little more like powerful I mm-hmm. guess so like I, I don't I, the Harden comp is definitely there but to me it was like Manu Ginobili mixed with a little Victor Oladipo a, a little bit like a bigger Stefan Marbury make if does that make a little sense to you at all yeah uh I think those are all good good names um I mean he's a tough one I'm I'm less apt to throw a comp on a guy unless I really buy into it. And I just, I haven't heard one yet where I'm, I don't have to qualify it several times mm-hmm. for it to make sense. I, but he's, I think that speaks to how good of a prospect he is where, uh, like, I don't think he's quite in that Anthony Davis or even like Ben Simmons sort of class in terms of an, an elite uh, freshman favorite to go number one overall. But I think he's, ahead of where you know guys like markel fultz were um ahead of uh but like john wall i mean i think it's more i think he's a better nba prospect than john wall i think john wall might have been a better college player just because of his speed but uh, i mean that's to be determined as well i just i like barrett because there's nothing he's bad at and he's the shooting last night was i mean we expected the other stuff but i mean and not that he's a bad shooter but i think he quelled any questions about that for people and who it's didn't rare know. it's rare that a guy his size is this good at shooting this early like usually it's like they shoot 32 33 mm-hmm. percent and you're kind of projecting well i think he can get to like 38 39 uh, i mean he might shoot like 40 percent from three this year and yeah. at his size that's that at his size and with his pedigree that's pretty unprecedented Mm -hmm. so um a big time big time nba prospect and you know from a fantasy perspective like he's the type of guy where it could be you know 24 25 points eight or nine assists uh five six rebounds is he for sure a point guard in the nba he's for sure a primary ball handler which i think is just the way i try to phrase it now like Mm -hmm. i don't think of james harden as like a typical point guard but he yeah. 
basically is. So I think that that's that's where I see Barrett playing. I think I agree with you that he's not quite Simmons Davis level, and part of that to me is that he just doesn't have. I mean, he has elite size if he's going to be a point guard, but like Ben Simmons was like a six ten point guard. Anthony yeah. Davis is a seven one guy who moves like he's six eight, whereas like Barrett has some of those traits, but he's not such an athletic freak. I mean, he he could be a better NBA player than Simmons, but he's not. Yeah, he's not kind of in that level of, mm. of amateur prospect, really. Um, if that makes sense, yeah. just because it like Simmons has not had a great year and he's got obvious flaws with it with his shot and everything. But um, yeah, I think really tough to comp him. Uh, no, I agree. He he does remind me. I will say a little bit of like college James Harden. College James Harden is a very different player than NBA James Harden or current day James Harden. You know, he wasn't doing the sidesteps and like the hesitation. I think he's he's better in college James Harden. Um, College James Harden was pretty good, but yes, I mean, I, I still I think Barrett is better. He's certainly a better prospect at this point than Harden. Was. I mean, Harden played two years. He plays with Barrett. Just plays faster than any version of James Harden. You know, like oh, yeah. he he plays with like he's not like Harden is so talented and so good on offense, but it's not like he's just a force in no, transition no. or a force at like kind of you know cruising down the lane and breaking yeah. people like he he just does it with handles and does it with mm-hmm. really smart passing yeah no i think do you agree with me now this duke team is going to be the most fun to watch since that kentucky team or at least like captivating yeah, i think this is this is just going to be a blast yeah. and i think that they i really think they might cruise to the to the title uh i it's hard for me to see just we'll see in terms of just physical talent like I've, for a lot of teams, like a lot of decent, like a, like a, your typical like six seed in the NCAA tournament, somebody on one of those teams trying to guard Zion would be like somebody, you know, really good rec league player trying to guard like certain yeah. NBA players. Like it's just not going to be fair at all. Uh, <laughs> the they college played, college they, refs like to blow the whistle a yes. lot. I mean, it, it's and and this Duke team. Um, largely because uh, Coach K has just so much kind of NBA, you know, with the with the Olympic team, some history with that. Uh, they're playing at an NBA pace where a lot of right. college teams are still playing at a college pace. So uh, they're just going to run people off the court, you know. And if, if, if they get as many possessions as they want to get in a game, the talent mm-hmm. just becomes that harder to overcome. What did they finish with last night? 122, I want to say? And they, they basically – started holding the ball they went into a 2-3 zone in the second half to try to kill time like they they were basically trying to run out the clock as much as you can in that situation and still you know racked up I mean they could have got to 140 easily I think they want 118 and that like to my point like this Kentucky team I mean how many other teams can even match up with their athleticism and their size and so when you go from playing they they blew them out uh it wasn't even as close as the final score indicated um, I mean, they're just going to boat race they, so many teams. They have year. a tough army team on Sunday, <laughs> Sunday at noon. Uh, pray, please pray for the troops. It's going to be, <laughs> that one might be like 60 to five at halftime. No, they are. I mean, this is a classic team <clears throat> recruiting class alone. That's built for the title though. I mean, you have returning upperclassmen. They had some like, I don't even Croatian senior who played a bunch of minutes who actually looked pretty good. They have this Alex O'Connell who's like a 50% white three-point shooter who hit four corner threes in a I, row i think trey jones has better handles than tyus did as a freshman like his handles just look ridiculous yeah. to me he's i mean he's a perfect point guard to work yeah. with these guys like reddish i mean reddish can play make but he's a scorer barrett can do it all zion can do it all like they don't need another guy to shoot 10 times a game they need yeah. a guy to just run it having reddish and uh bolden as your like supporting big ridiculous like it's it's pretty, it's pretty reddish handy. would be the second or third best player in the big 10 maybe the best best prospect certainly <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's it's ridiculous um a couple quick notes before we head out lamella ball's back he's uh returning to the united states for his senior year of high school how in any realm is he eligible to play high school basketball well you said the name of the school and it sounds like yeah i mean one of those just kind of made up schools so mm-hmm. um, yeah it's a prep school i think they call it i mean i'm sure he's fine to play there like I, is, i'm sure record, i'm sure no college would take his transcripts well no he's already been right. he's ineligible so, he's not even being recruited he's ineligible i don't i don't think college. there's a big bar to clear to go play at just some of these made-up high schools <laughs> he played professionally it. for the last year like how can you just go back to high school for that like i i mean i think it's an academy it's i'm still fascinated by the whole lamella ball thing 
imagine being on that team though that he's joining like that like the coach breaks the news to you at practice like we got a new player it's Lamelo ball like that's gonna be devastating for those guys yeah i mean and yeah he's not he can't bring like all the groupies with him either right like he the the girls in the school stay the same yeah exactly <laughs> um luke may dominant for north carolina last night um top top five pick love luke may <laughs> i want i was i mean he's got to be kicking himself thinking like if i was born 40 years earlier there i was just if i was just born when like tyler hansborough yeah, was born <laughs> exactly he would have i mean if we thought tyler hansborough was good uh i mean he was a lottery pick right uh and then on a slightly more serious note rui hachimura somebody we'll talk more about i'm sure as the season goes on the best best prospect on the west coast off the top of my head i want to say yeah probably I think so uh, i i worry a little bit about his combination of size and athleticism and what and whether or not he's it translates as a because he he doesn't seem big enough to play center to me oh, no. but doesn't seem athletic enough to play on the wing um so i i he's kind of a tweener but we'll see how it goes i mean i i i like it when the zags are good uh I like, you know, I, I love Zach Collins as a prospect. I think Kachimura is probably a favorite to go in the lottery at this point. But mm. it, 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 this draft really falls off to me after the top six or seven prospects. Yeah, 33 points in 24 minutes last night for Kachimura. That'll do it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.